the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Let's start this morning with a little catechism review once again. If you'd like, uh, you just put your hymnals away, but if you'd like to pull it out, uh, page 321, the small catechism, the third commandment is the commandment that we should think of today, the third commandment about the Sabbath day. Page 321, maybe you know it by heart. Let's say it together. The third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. God's word is our great heritage, and our attitude towards his word, how our hearts are attentive to his word or neglectful of his word, determines everything. If our ears are not open to what God has to say to us, then we have no hope whatsoever. Now this commandment, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, this was a commandment given to the people of Israel. So you know some of these things already. We don't, for instance, observe the Sabbath from sundown on Friday evening to sundown on Saturday evening the way they did in the Old Testament. The way God's people did when he told them on that day, during those 24 hours, you shall do no work of any kind. When Jesus came, he didn't undo the Sabbath, but he showed us that the regulations given to the people of Israel were to govern their outward behavior. So God wanted to teach the people of Israel by restricting that time. 24 hours, do no work, rest like your heavenly father rested when he created the world. Jesus came to fulfill the law, and so Jesus kept the Sabbath perfectly. He kept the Sabbath perfectly in our lesson today, although the Pharisees thought that he was breaking the Sabbath. They thought that by doing good works, by healing the sick, by helping those in need, Jesus was violating the Sabbath. But Jesus is showing us that that's actually the purpose of the Sabbath. It is to love God and to love your neighbor. It is to take time out of your busy life, a life which demands much of you just to get by. It is to take time and thank God and to make sure that your heart is turned not inwards but outwards towards those around you. 
Now, Jesus shows us that we are free from that 24-hour window. No longer do we have to observe the Sabbath in that way. Jesus has set us free from the burden of the law. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't ever think about God's word anymore. In fact, it means that every day is a Sabbath for us. Every day is a day, a holy day, on which we should be devoted to holy things, God's word. Every day is a day in which we should rest in all of the things that God has done for us, in which we should turn our hearts towards him in love and towards our neighbors in compassion. Now, we set aside one day out of the week, Sundays, it just so happens to be, to make sure that in the midst of your busy schedules, you have some time to listen to God's word, to gather with your fellow believers and to be fed by your Savior. And so today, we can still learn from the Sabbath, We can learn from the Sabbath regulations how we should direct our hearts on a day like today, which is also how we should direct our hearts every day. In fact, you should think of it this way. If you can't get Sunday morning right, if you can't have the right attitude in your heart on a Sunday morning, then how could you possibly do it the rest of the week? On the converse, however, if you come into God's house hearing God's word gladly, rejoicing in God's gifts, loving your neighbors around you, then that sets the tone for the rest of your week. The Sabbath really does matter. How we regard God's word really does matter. Now Jesus shows us what the Sabbath is for in our lesson today, and he does it sort of in contrast to how the Pharisees are thinking. So look at the Pharisees and learn from their terrible example. They were having a party, and as they often did, they either invited Jesus or Jesus just showed up, and they treated him with disrespect. They would seat him in the lowest place. They wouldn't greet him. They wouldn't show him hospitality. They were unkind and unfriendly to Jesus. Now, Jesus is the one who tells us to turn the other cheek, and so you can be sure that that's exactly what he did. He never threw it back in their face. He never said to them, you've been unkind to me, and so I'm going to be unkind to you in return. Never once did Jesus do that. But notice how the Pharisees exhibit their sinful behavior today. Jesus arrived, and they were watching him intently. They were looking at him, paying attention to him, and hidden behind those words is malice, evil intentions in their hearts. What they were looking for was the moment when Jesus would trip up, the moment when he would make a mistake, the moment when he would say something that they knew was untrue or that he would do something contrary to God's law, and then, then, thank God, they could just write him off forever. They could be done with that guy. We don't have to worry about him anymore. All of his signs are a fraud. Jesus can be out of our lives once and for all. And so they were watching him intently. Think about how tragic that is on that Sabbath day. That's the day on which they welcomed Jesus or didn't welcome him into their house. A Sabbath day. A day that is devoted to hearing God's word, to receiving God's word. And then Jesus, the very word of God in flesh, shows up and they are skeptical. And worse than skeptical. They think evil of him. They're hoping for the worst. Not only are they despising God's word, but they're hoping that it turns out to be untrue, that he turns out to be unfaithful. They're rejecting him and his good news, his gospel. After all, that is what Jesus has come to proclaim. The Pharisees don't like Jesus because he makes them uncomfortable. He tells them things that they don't want to hear. And what they miss in their discomfort, in their dislike of Jesus, is the gospel. The best news the world has ever heard. That Jesus is there not to destroy, but to save. Not to hold their sins in front of their eyes and punish them, but to forgive. 
not to stick his fingers in their wounds and make them hurt all the more, but instead to show them compassion and love. They miss all of that because they want to look at Jesus with evil intent. Notice how different that is from what we said in our intro. I just noticed this as we were reciting it this morning. Just before the glory be to the Father, you all said, Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. Think about how different that is. Having your eyes fixed on God's commandments because you know that they're good. Having your eyes fixed on Jesus, not because you are thinking evil of him or you want to destroy him or you're hoping that in the end he'll be put to death, but because you can't wait to see how he's going to love you next, how he's going to show compassion to you next, how he's going to save you from your sin and from despair. That's how the Pharisees were treating the Sabbath. That's how they treated Jesus. And right out of the gate, you can see that they despise the word of God. It happens among us also. It's so easy to do from day to day to neglect God's word, to think of it as last and least important, to think that we will spend some time reading the scriptures when we have a spare moment, when our schedule frees up, we don't have any other pressing demands. Think about how little we think of God's word when that is the attitude of our hearts. Or when we take God's word and we're satisfied with tiny little bite-sized portions, a verse here and a verse there, just the comfortable ones, the ones that make us feel at ease, and we don't pay attention to the whole counsel of God. We don't reckon with the fact that God's word is sharper than a two-edged sword, and that it is meant to pierce into our hearts, to reveal our sin, so that God can save us from it. Let us not neglect God's word. Let us not despise God's word. Let us not come into his house on a day like today, distracted by our self-interest, by the things that are in our hearts that lead us astray from the sins that we want to hold on to, from our burdens, from our grief. Let us not be distracted by the trappings of this life, our anxiety and our worry. Instead, fix your eyes on Jesus. Tune your ears to his words. Listen for the gospel. He is here with good news for you. That all of that, all of the things that would take your attention, he is doing away with. He's resolving all of them. He's taken all of your sins into himself. They can hurt you no more. Listen to the gospel. Hear the gospel and rejoice. Don't filter his words. Don't filter Jesus' words through your own experience. Don't listen carefully for the words you want to hear, to reject and ignore the words you don't want to hear. Instead, rejoice that Christ is speaking to you, that God, your heavenly Father, the maker of the heavens and the earth, your Savior, who died on a cross to forgive your sins, he is here today speaking words of peace to you. Thank God. That's that's how we should regard the Sabbath. That's how we keep the third commandment. That's how you come into God's house with pure hearts, drawing near to the throne of grace, receiving from God every good thing. Now, as if that weren't enough, though, for the Pharisees, simply mistreating Jesus, they go one step further and how they treated that poor man with dropsy. Now, that's a strange word. I don't know if if you hear that any other time than on this Sunday of the year, the 17th Sunday after Trinity. Dropsy is edema. It's a condition in which your body retains fluid, water. And so you get bloated, kind of gross to think about. You get bloated, and worst of all, what you want more than anything is more water. So you have a thirst that can't be quenched. Meanwhile, your body is overloaded with water. It was a disease that was often associated with great wealth. So it's not surprising that in the house of this Pharisee, there was a man who was suffering from this condition. It was also, at times, associated with sin. 
That is to say, if you were a bit too indulgent, then you might get struck with dropsy. Notice how the Pharisees treat this man. It seems like Jesus has been placed in the lowest seat. That's what they often did, showing him the least hospitality. And then they took this man with dropsy and they put him right next to Jesus. Why would they do that but to see what Jesus is going to do to find out whether or not he will heal on the Sabbath, whether he will break the Sabbath regulations. Now there's a tragedy there, of course, in how they're treating Jesus, but think about the tragedy in how they are treating this poor man. Who knows why he was sick? Who knows how miserable he was, but they were using his misery, his sickness, his weakness, his poor decisions, whatever they might be, they were using those things and that man to prop themselves up, to feel better about themselves, to make it seem as if they were good, to use him as a tool to get rid of Jesus, a ploy, like they did with the woman caught in adultery. Maybe you remember that story. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is ministering, uh, teaching, and preaching the good news, and then the Pharisees bring to Jesus a woman who they've caught in adultery, and they just, they just drag her before him, and they throw him at Je- her at Jesus' feet and say, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this woman? Now, Jesus is so clever, and he's so wise, and he says to all of them as they are leveling their accusations, whichever one of you is without sin, let him throw the first stone, and one by one, one by one, those people had to turn around. Those Pharisees had to leave her alone. And when Jesus sees her and everyone else gone, he says, where did, where did everybody go? Neither do I condemn you. If they're not going to condemn you, neither will I. Go and sin no more. Think about how different Jesus treats that woman than the Pharisees did. Think about how differently Jesus treats this poor man with dropsy than the Pharisees did. They were using him in order to make their own way to feel better about themselves, to catch Jesus in a trap. What did Jesus do for that poor man who was laid low and put in one of the lowest seats next to him? Jesus cured him. He healed him. He had compassion on him and he helped this poor man. The man didn't ask for it. He didn't say, Jesus, please help me. Jesus just looked at him and saw his need and helped him. And then notice this, he sent him away. He said, this party stinks. (laughs) You should find a new party. You should go somewhere else. In fact, what Jesus does when he heals the sick, when he forgives sins, is he invites people into his feast, into his kingdom. He takes those who are lowly, those who are estranged, those who are alienated, those who are weak, those who have nothing for themselves, and he raises them up, not to a seat in a feast hosted by Pharisees, but to a glorious royal royal seat in the feast of the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus offers to this man. That's the way the Pharisees were treating a poor sinner in their midst, despising the Sabbath by neglecting the weak and the poor and the sick among them, not loving their neighbors even less than they loved God. Guard your hearts against such sickness. Guard your hearts against such sin. Guard your hearts against such despising of God's word that would bring you into his house, thinking instead of your neighbors as beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, but instead thinking of them as sinners whom you can look down on, sinners against whom you can hold various crimes that they've committed against you, people who you might despise or think little of. Instead, rejoice that you are all here together in God's house to hear his word. You are all here together, having been brought low 
by God's law, having been shown your sin, so that he can raise you up. Again, pay attention to this. Jesus is here with good news that all of your sins, every last one of them, has been forgiven. The sins that you hide away in the deepest, darkest parts of your heart, those have been forgiven. Jesus is here with compassion. Let that be how we regard the Sabbath day. Let that, that be how we live our lives day in and day out, like Jesus does, and not like those Pharisees. Let us hold fast to God's word. Let us treasure it, cherish it, ponder it as Mary did, keeping all of these things close in her heart. Let us look at our neighbors, the people sitting beside you in these pews, the people you meet in your homes and in your neighborhoods and in your work and at school or wherever you might be. Look at those people. Look at them all as people on whom Jesus would show great compassion and let that be how we govern our lives as well. That's how we keep the third commandment. It's again, not by refusing to work or resting from sundown on Friday evening to sundown on Saturday evening, but is instead by holding these things sacred, holding the good news of gospel sacred, holding the blood of Jesus sacred, holding that always before our eyes. This is the problem with the Pharisees. They were holding everything else before their eyes. They were holding up that poor man with dropsy between themselves and Jesus. And when they looked at Jesus, they were looking at him in all of the wrong ways. Instead, look at Jesus looking to him for grace, calling to him for help in your time of need, calling to him on behalf of your neighbors who are in need. What a wonderful thing that would have been, wouldn't it? If when those Pharisees invited Jesus to the feast and they saw the poor man with dropsy, what if they had said to Jesus, please help this poor man? Please cure him. Please forgive his sins. Please restore him. Please bring him into fellowship with us. Please let us all rejoice together in your gifts and in your goodness. What a wondrous thing that would have been. We have so much to learn, and there's so much idolatry and sin in our hearts that Jesus is constantly rooting out. Thanks be to God that he never stops speaking to us, that he never stops proclaiming his good news to us, that he never stops forgiving our sins, that he never stops raising us up when we are brought low, and that he never stops fulfilling his promise. He has said that he will do it, that he will bring you into his eternal kingdom. The proof is the cross of Jesus. There he defeated the devil, your flesh, and the grave once and for all. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Be attentive to his words. Hold fast to his promises and rejoice that you have such a gracious Savior. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen.